Hey everybody, it is Thursday, January 11th, 2018, and you are listening to the Salvage Title Podcast. As always, I'm your host, Brad Eiseldyke, and I'm here to talk to you about car news, car culture, car whatever, and guys, it is the start of car news season! Uh, we've got the Consumer Electronics Show happening right now out in Las Vegas. A uh, couple of car startups showed off their products. We had some former car startups try to remind us that they still exist. Uh, we had technology companies show off new integrations that they want to do with your automobile. So uh, we'll kind of cover CES in two different segments. Uh, the first one we'll talk about arguably the most interesting vehicle announcement at CES, and that was the Byton SUV, a new Chinese-made luxury electric vehicle uh, that they want to have on the market by the end of 2019 here in the United States. So they are racing, racing many other Chinese companies to become the first China-made vehicle sold in the U.S. Uh, second up, we're going to talk a little bit about some of the technology applications for uh, what companies like LG and NVIDIA and Intel want to do with your automobile and maybe some of the spooky future that comes with that. Uh, there are some weird things going on, and I'm not 100% sure if all of it is good, even though some of it is very cool. Um, and then lastly, a car that's been in my mind, I may have talked about this car one more time, but I saw it again today, and it just it popped up again. Um, and maybe just talk about the car in general, and that's the Dodge Dart. It's a car. Not the most exciting car, but it was a car that happened in a time frame where things needed to happen, and then Dodge cut it off completely, and now a couple of years out after the retirement of the Dodge Dart, we still don't have a car to replace it, which may have to tie to another subject we'll talk about at some point in time in this show. Maybe that deserves an entire segment in and of itself. The Ford Fusion, and the loss of the Ford Fusion, and the weird stuff that's going on right now with the Ford catalog. Yeah, we're going to add that in there somewhere in the mix. But anyway, first up, we'll talk about the new Byton SUV and why it's one of the most exciting things happening at CES. So first up, I wanted to talk a little bit about the new Byton SUV that was announced at CES uh, this year. Byton is a new Chinese automobile company, a new startup automobile company that uh, is going to be based in, I think it was Shanghai. They're building a factory right now. They have plans to launch this SUV along with a new sedan by the end of 2019 or early 2020. And by all intents and purposes, I think Byton maybe stands the best chance of launching in the United States uh, with a brand new vehicle. Um, Chinese automakers are trying to come here very quickly. It's going to happen very soon. Quality standards are near enough here. Yeah, this one, it seems like it's going to be the one to maybe bet your money on if you're betting on Chinese automakers coming over. But anyway, uh, this SUV, it's about the size of a Ford Edge, give or take. Um, it looks like a Range Rover Evoque. It is all electric. It does have four-wheel drive. It's only got 150 miles of range, but you can fully charge it on a DC fast charger in about 30 minutes to 80% battery. Not too bad. So all in all, what are the key features of this vehicle? Well, they've got a premium luxury interior that looks pretty well appointed. The front driver's seats can turn like 12 degrees towards each other so you can have a conference with your passenger. That's kind of weird. A neat little trick, but not the coolest thing. Um, the main thing that they're selling right now is the 
kind of mixture of artificial intelligence, uh, facial recognition, health monitors, and uh, like the digital dashboard. It's it's a weird thing. And yeah, so Byton is going to have a thing where you sit in the driver's seat. It's going to use facial recognition like what's in the iPhone X to determine that it's you. And you being a Byton driver, you're going to have a profile on their phone app. So think of like what Tesla does with their car where you can log in to the car and maybe you get in somebody else's Byton or you have another Byton and it recognizes that it's you. And it's going to set the car to your preferences, whether that's temperature, you know, comfort, seat adjustment, whatever, whatever. It'll automatically know that it's you. It's going to upload your contacts into the car. It's going to basically personalize your vehicle. And like, while that's really kind of cool, it's also kind of weird. Um, I don't know. I think there's a lot of lot being promised there. And the biometric stuff is also a very strange thing where it's going to be measuring your heart rate and looking at your face to make sure you're not tired. That has some very clear benefits, but I, yeah, I don't, I don't know why that's a big deal. But the big selling point, of course, is the digital dashboard that stretches from door frame to door frame. Uh, it's a pretty large uh, LCD screen. Um, it's going to display, you know, the typical gauges and information in front of the driver's seat. It's going to have the center console information in the middle, um, which apparently can function as a media player. And then it's going to have other features for the passenger to look at as they're going down the road. Uh, you know, I, whether that's going to work really well, I think kind of remains to be seen um, as we've kind of passed through the super cold temperatures, at least temporarily here in the Midwest. I'd really like to know how dashboards like that plan to fare uh, when the temperatures are routinely in single digits or below that. Uh, because as I've seen other LCD screens uh, generally not work in colder temperatures, uh, yeah, there's a there's some issues that I think are going to need to be worked out. Uh, but the main thing that they're saying right now is that you're going to be able to control the dashboard not with touch, but with gesture controls where the car will track your finger inputs somehow on the screen, which kind of is cool, but kind of isn't. There's like a 3D rotating menu that you move with your hand and then you select different points on the menu. Yeah, I don't know. And I think in in operation, maybe that'll work, but it seems like very distracted driving. Otherwise, there's like this iPad that sits in front of you that's mounted into the steering wheel that has uh, manual buttons for different controls and then touch controls on that as you're driving to prevent distracted driving. I don't know. I don't see how that would necessarily fly here in the U.S., so maybe that's something that might have to change. And I don't know how you get airbags to deploy out of that without ruining everything or potentially hurting you quite a bit in an accident. There's a lot of questions that need to be answered, but of all the Chinese brands that I've seen, hold our breath maybe until the Detroit Auto Show, um, this looks like a car that definitely could be sold very well at $45,000. So, Byton, keep your eyes peeled. It could be here very, very soon. <laughs> So I mentioned this story before in a previous episode, but I wanted to kind of come back after I mentioned it, in, uh, mentioned it in the opening. Ford isn't just straight up not renewing the Fusion. They're outright killing the car, along with the Taurus, in about four years. Uh, there's going to be no significant upgrades on the car. There's going to be no uh, major refreshes happening on, on either vehicle. They're just going to be gone. 
and Ford currently does not have a planned replacement for either one of these vehicles, which kind of fitting into the news that was announced today that there's going to be a new ST version of the Ford Edge, does that mean that Ford is now sticking all of their eggs in the SUV basket, or do they have a plan to do something completely different that we just haven't guessed yet? And, like, I'm just, I'm gobsmacked by this news. Like, it was one thing when Chrysler decided to cancel the 200. Uh, that was, you know, not a very good car, which we'll talk about in the Dodge Dart story segment. But the 200, you know, it was it didn't really have a chance to big enough because, one, it was a Chrysler. Uh, and really, that was the only reason why it didn't stand a chance was because it was a Chrysler. With the Fusion, it was one of the top-selling cars in the United States. It still is one of the top-selling cars in the United States. And with minor investment by Ford, it's still a very good chassis. They could make a car that could compete with the Camry and the Accord. But Ford is so sketchy on trying to spend money on development of a new vehicle, of new powertrains, or whatever, they don't think it's worth it. And that's just so strange to me. Because the, 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 mm, the midsize segment is shrinking. There is zero doubt in our minds that that is happening. And the money is going to be getting tougher to get. The problem is, is that a good mid-size sedan or a properly done mid-size sedan can still be a crossover option. I'm looking at cars like I talked about last week, the Volvo XC70 crossover. I'm talking about cars like what they're going to have in Europe, which is the Ford Fiesta Cross or off-road or whatever the hell they're calling it. It's the uh, slightly raised, slightly more aggressive uh, version of a streetcar. And it's just, it's Ford just betting that, you know, baby boomers and Gen Xers only like crossovers. They're not even thinking about millennials who are coming into the market, who have money, who go, I probably need a practical, fuel-efficient car. And I feel like for millennials, a lot of us, it's going to be hatchbacks and wagons. We don't need a high-riding, all-wheel drive, gas-guzzling crossover SUV. And I, it just seems so irresponsible by Ford to make this kind of decision right now where, yes, gasoline is cheaper, but we have a freak on a leash for a president and, you know, one bad political move, one bad tweet could send gas prices skyrocketing. And it's just, it's the lack of foresight by Ford by saying, well, the market's doing whatever. We got to get rid of it. They're like, blah, blah. Like, like Ford piloted them themselves through the automobile manufacturer crisis, through the good hands of Alan Mulally. And, you know, he he made smart choices and made private bank loans and stayed out of government hands. And for the good or the worse, you know, Ford was smart in doing what they did. And there's no reason why Ford can't be smart again and get around this problem. Ford's smart attitude brought us the Fiesta and the Fusion, two global platform vehicles with global powertrains that have done very well in automobile tests and automobile rankings and in, you know, just general happiness with the products. The problem was that the engineering team got too much of a crazy idea in their head and they put bad transmissions in these cars and now these bad transmissions are starting to eat away at sales, which makes me just go, Ford, Ford, you've got a new 8-speed automatic gearbox, stick that goddamn thing in these cars and you could probably fix it. But that's too much for them. It's too much effort. It's too much of a risk when the market's changing. I, I just, I'm just bewildered by the, all of this news. 
I'm guessing that Ford is going to assume that the new Focus is going to be the jack of all trades for the midsize segment, or the, or the, at least the compact segment. Maybe they're going to make it big like the Civic and kind of make it so you could, you know, the Civic can be shopped by Accord buyers at this point. Maybe the new Focus is going to be big enough to be cross-shopped by Fusion buyers. It's just, it's so frustrating. It's so incredibly frustrating what Ford is doing, and I don't know, we'll find out more soon, but yeah, I'm just disappointed. So going back to CES for a moment, I want to talk a little bit about the uh, technology applications for automobiles that are being discussed by brands like NVIDIA, Intel, and LG Electronics. Um, some announcements were made at the show from uh, Toyota, Toyota announced that they're going to use NVIDIA platforms for their self-driving technology. Uh, so did Volvo as well. Um, they're planning on integrating their platform into a lot of different vehicles for digital dashboards and self-driving stuff. NVIDIA has got a full digital dashboard that they want to offer to different manufacturers as a platform. Um, and they also have a new self-driving uh, car feature that is a little bit more streamlined compared to what Google and other brands have been using. But where the interesting stuff really came from was from LG. And LG is partnering with Google, among other different people, uh, to fully integrate uh, their car platform into the internet of things that involves both your home as well as your job and that kind of leads to a scary future in some ways um well i think the overall idea on a macro level is very cool that you could take your cell phone you know you're listening to music on your phone when you're in the shower or with bluetooth and you know the speakers in your home you know you go out to the kitchen it knows that you want coffee at 7:45 that's ready so you can get in the car and be on the road by 8 and then your phone would plug into your car and know that you were listening to this music in the shower and that you wanted to do this and it automatically adjusts the seat because your wife had the car the other day and it's got to change it back to fit how you were and then it's taking you to work and you go to work and it's telling you that you know you have this music that you want to listen to on your work computer and then you know you're you usually have coffee at 2:15 and have that ready before you get ready to leave at 4 or whatever and that's really cool in a macro sense, but we're also neglecting the fact that this AI is tracking you from your home to your car, from your car to your work, from your work to your car, and back home or wherever else you go. And it leads to a couple of scary conclusions. One, the security of everything, where we've already seen that Chrysler systems were vulnerable to hacking just a short time ago. Now, granted, that was a little bit of a boogeyman situation, but nevertheless, these Wi-Fi internet-capable systems are going to be targeted surely by either foreign governments or by individuals who have something to gain by this. Uh, you know, there's no reason to expect that to not happen. Um, I know that's spooky saying that, but it's a reality, and we have to wonder how deep some of these things are going to go. So if they're going to be able to override your self-driving car commands, what does that mean? A lot of questions need to be answered there. Secondly, We've already learned, as I discussed in a previous episode, that GM plans to offer advertising inside your infotainment system, uh, really, just kind of to go. And, you know, if anything is to be gained by what Amazon has done with some of their systems, uh, there's a pretty good chance that in the near future you're going to have to pay a premium in your car to not be served ads 
by an automobile manufacturer. Um, you know, and so whether that means that, you know, when you come into the car, you don't get a pop-up screen that says the new Taylor Swift album is out, or when you pull into McDonald's or you're near a McDonald's, you know, your dashboard lights up in red and yellow and tells you that the golden arches are nearby. Uh, like it's just, it gets kind of slimy. Like there's like a, there's a, there's a macro thing where you go, oh, that's kind of cool. Your car recognizes that, you know, you're near a, a Taco Bell and you really like Taco Bell, but at the same time, it's like, holy shit, your car knows that you like Taco Bell and it's telling you to go to the nearest Taco Bell because it's Tuesday and it's Taco Tuesday. I don't, ugh, like, I just, I don't like that. And, you know, it's the, the whole tracking thing between one location to another and pre-selecting your routes home, in the grand scheme of things, is pretty neat. It's just, there's a lot of what-ifs in this situation, both for and against it, that I think we need to discuss not just as car fans, not just as automobile, you know, gearheads or whatever, but as people all together, that there are some serious security issues, there are some serious privacy issues, and there are some serious nanny nannying situations that need to be considered. And, you know, I don't know how we have a frank discussion about it, but, you know, I would love to hear some of your input. If you've got some thoughts about it, hit me up at YSSMAN on Twitter, you can drop me a line here on Anchor FM, Anchor FM slash Iceman, if I remember correctly. So hopefully I'll hear back from some of you guys soon. So last up, a little segment, uh, the car that's been in my mind, I'm sure I've talked about the Dodge Dart before. I'm pretty sure I did a whole segment on it. And it's back in my mind again because of a couple different things. Uh, one, I saw two on the road today, uh, which is kind of interesting because you don't see many of these cars around here. Even in Michigan, uh, domestic-friendly Michigan, they're still pretty rare. Two, uh, kind of with the focus of the uh, Ford Fusion and the Taurus story and kind of why things got canceled and left behind. And then three, the announcement of the Jeep Wrangler just a short time ago. Um, first up, Wow, the Dodge Dart, I like that car a lot um, in a weird way. You know, it was a modest size. Uh, it was kind of an in-betweener size between compact and midsize. Um, that didn't pay well for its fuel economy. Um, it lacked a lot of powertrain refinement that it should have had, um, both from its 1.6-liter turbo, which now apparently is a pretty good engine, um, and the 2.4-liter Tiger Shark engine, which has gotten some revisions that were better, but it was bad transmissions that really plagued the car. Had a really bad dual-clutch gearbox on the turbo engine, had a not-so-great 9-speed automatic, as we know, and many Chrysler vehicles that just didn't pay off very well for the car. Uh, but nevertheless, it was a car that just, you know, had a great chassis, had some neat ideas, it just didn't work all that well. And as such, uh, Dodge canceled the car right alongside the Chrysler 200. So going to the second point about the Ford Fusion, uh, you know, Chrysler, FCA Chrysler altogether, they decided that SUVs were the future, SUVs and crossovers. It has been evident in the growth that we've seen in the Jeep brand over the past few years. It is evident in something like the uh, Alfa Romeo Stelvio being as much as we want to say that the Guglia is the car leading the charge for Alfa Romeo here in the United States, it, without a doubt, is the Stelvio that's going to turn things around. Uh, Maserati is racing to get a crossover SUV in their lineup. Uh, Ferrari apparently is planning an SUV in light of Lamborghini having an SUV. Um, so FCA probably made the right choice cutting the uh, Dodge Dart loose along with the Chrysler 200. 
but they did promise that they were going to have a compact or midsize car available, uh, hopefully around this point in time in the future, but no such plans have happened, and it's very disappointing because, you know, Chrysler, for all of its fits and crazy choices that they make, when they put their mind to making a good car, they can make a good car. And, you know, the Dart was okay. It needed a little bit more polish. It needed a little, little bit more time in the oven. And what we were told a couple of years back, which seems like a very long time ago now, uh, in light of the cancellation of the project, was that they were going to revitalize the Dodge Dart with a new powertrain, a two-liter turbocharged engine um, that was possibly going to be rated as high as 300 horsepower, mated to an all-wheel drive system to make it a high-performance uh, compact sedan that you could buy and race presumably against, you know, cars like the Focus ST, while now the Focus RS, the Honda Civic Type R, things like that, and, you know, FCA dropped it. But nevertheless, that powertrain showed up in the new Wrangler, and the powertrain that's in the Wrangler, granted it doesn't make 300 horsepower, but it's mated to a light-duty uh hybrid system that helps get the Jeep around in different ways. And it just makes me wonder, you know, if that powertrain was going to be set up in that way, how cool would it have been for the Dodge Dart to have an electric assist four-wheel drive system in there that got presumably pretty decent fuel economy, would have been very capable uh, in all weather situations, um, probably, you know, would have been a fairly competent performance, quote-unquote, sedan. I, I, it's just, it's so weird to me. It's always weird to me to think about what it could have been. And, you know, with the Dart, uh, it's just, it's so disappointing that, you know, a, such a cool idea could have been executed in so much better of a way. Um, but yeah, I don't know. It's, it's one of those cars that I wish would have done better. And I think in a different universe, I think it did do well, where gasoline prices stayed high and people had demand for those kinds of vehicles. But unfortunately, we'll never really know. But we're still waiting for a Dart replacement. Maybe FCA is going to show something off here at the Detroit Auto Show in just a few short days. We'll see. But uh, there's a lot of stuff to talk about, so we'll skip on out to the uh, roundup segment after the bump. All right, guys, that just about wraps up this episode of the Salvage Title Podcast. As always, I'm your host, Brad Eisenlake, and you can find more from me on Twitter, at YSSMAN, as well as here on Anchor FM. We do, uh, obviously, this show where we talk about car news, car culture, and car whatever. I also do a show where uh, it's called the Salvage Title Car Buyer's Guide, where we go into a uh, given segment of the thing. We pick three of the best cars, and then I add a fourth one for flavor. I owe you guys a new episode soon. Uh, maybe something about pickup trucks? I don't know. We'll see. Um, there's definitely other segments we could talk about as well. <coughs> uh, as I've also mentioned before, we're going into uh, the time frame of the Detroit International Auto Show. As CES is wrapping up right now, a lot of reporters are getting ready to pack their things and head straight to frigid Detroit. Joke's on them. It's actually pretty nice right now, so it might be okay. But uh, yeah, we've got a lot of cool announcements to look forward to. We've got a new Acura RDX. Um, I'm pretty much expecting a Civic-based platform with a Type R engine with a trick four-wheel drive system. That's kind of cool. Um, you know, we've got the new Chevrolet Silverado, which looks really neat. I'm excited to hear more about the platform. I'm hoping for a twin-turbo V6 uh, from GM. Uh, what else have we got? We got maybe a brand new Corvette. Maybe? Maybe? 
we don't know. Um, hopefully we find out some more about that project. Um, maybe Ford's got some interesting stuff beyond the Edge ST. Um, the new Focus will probably get shown off. Crossing my fingers for something about the new Fiesta, I hope. I don't know. We'll see what happens. Um, uh, anything else really neat out there? You know, uh, Chrysler, I'm hoping that we get some new Chrysler announcements, uh, replacements for the Dart or the 200 by them. Um, I'm willing to bet we get some new Jeep shown off, more than likely it's just the refreshed Cherokee face. Um, maybe the new Jeep pickup truck? I don't know. Uh, what else we got out there? We got uh, Mazdas. We got maybe the new Mazda 3 or Mazda 6 being shown off. Um, any of the Germans doing anything cool? It's hard to say. Uh, Mercedes has maybe got a couple of smaller cars like the new A-Class being shown off. Uh, maybe some more coupe-like versions of the uh, C-Class and E-Class. Um, I think we might be getting a new, what do they call it, a CLE, CLA, CL, whatever. Who knows? Um, new powertrain might get shown off as well um, from some of the different German manufacturers. I know BMW, uh, obviously they're the kings of the straight six, but Mercedes has got a new straight six, so I'm looking forward to hearing more about that. Um, yeah, I don't know. There's there's a lot of cool stuff happening. I think the big question right now for a lot of companies is going to be, uh, what is their compact and subcompact offerings going to be? Um, what kind of hybrids and EVs are we going to start seeing? Is there going to be st more stuff done with hydrogen, like what Hyundai is promising right now? Um, I don't know. It's really exciting that there's so many so many more questions. Like even though a lot of automakers are showing off teasers and you know have had full reveals ahead of time without a lot of details. Um, there's still a lot of stuff that we don't know about, um, like the new Toyota Supra. There's a pretty good chance that we're going to see the Supra in Detroit, and you know if it's only going to be a 300 horsepower kind of middle, low luxury sports car offering, that's kind of cool that we're going to have a affordable sports car again from a Japanese manufacturer. Um, we could see the new BMW Z car. We might see the new BMW 8 Series. Those would be pretty cool and interesting things. Um, you know, if we got the return of a BMW V12 and a front-engine rear-wheel drive sedan, that's super duper cool, especially as they plan on attacking the 911 with it. Um, I don't know. Like, it's just there's a lot. There's a lot to look forward to, and it's only just a few short days away. So today is Thursday. More than likely, we're going to see some stories start emerging on Saturday. Sunday is going to be a lot of preview night stuff, and then Monday starts the big show in Detroit. So uh, keep your eyes and ears peeled. Um, good resource websites are always uh, places like Autoblog and Jalopnik. Um, they're always going to have interesting reporting stuff down there. Obviously, the big car magazines as well, Car Driver and Trend, will have a lot of interesting stuff, too. Uh, here, I'm going to try to do audio reviews every week as news breaks. Um, talk about some of the bigger stories that I think have emerged. Uh, maybe kind of break down some of the designs that we're seeing. And uh, talk about some of the release dates. Um, so, yeah. Check you guys soon. Um, be back soon. Have a great weekend. Uh, just get ready to ride that wave of car news, guys, because it's coming. We've got a couple of weeks straight forward with tons of new stuff. So get excited. We'll see you guys real soon.